Hey, 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 welcome back to the Slay Less Show, season two. Um, as you know, if you've been following me on Instagram at the Slay Less Show, we've been doing a series about capitalism and the way that it complicates our lived experiences. Um, typically, everything that I talk about directly relates either to black women or to black people, black culture, black traditions. And today, um, I've taken a really long time to kind of curate this conversation and to really just dive into it because it's such a broad topic and it's become extremely relevant with the um, the increase of social media platforms and the increase of, I guess, just black visibility in mainstream media in ways that we have not had access to before. So today we're going to talk about capitalism and black creativity and cultural appropriation and what that means for black creatives, what that means for black artists, musicians, so on and so forth, and um, just how this need for money kind of drives art, but in the same way it takes... Um, autonomy away from black artists so today with me i have if you want to introduce yourself and just tell us more about you and where we can find um information about what you're doing and find anything that you're doing creative endeavors so on and so forth absolutely uh i'm charles smith the second uh creative director for smith the second which is my high-end brand and do not touch which is my concept line um my, my instagram obviously is smith the second s-m-i-t-h-t-h-e two nd like second place and then also have my website which the link is in the bio at smith the second just spelled out dot com um yeah that's okay. where you can find that's where you can find all the stuff that i do and everything that i do yeah awesome <laughs> so i guess first and primarily you would consider yourself to be a designer yes clothing designer okay. yes awesome awesome so uh, I'm really excited to have you here today, Charles. I guess we can go ahead and dive in with the first question. So just in general to you, um, I guess let's start off very like, what do you think, well, how would you define culture and how would you define black culture? What does that mean to you? Uh, to me, when it, in regards to culture, the first even word that comes to mind is always like community yeah, for me, especially just, you know, again, me being like a kid from Harlem. So, I mean, I literally grew up in culture in many different facets, oh, whether yeah. it was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like music and hip hop and dance and just, you know, and then my family's like from Jamaica. So, I mean, it's just like culture is like, I mean, I am that, you know, I am definitely a strand of that. Um, but definitely like, you know, community and uh, and, and also like adapting and um, almost like learning from one another, even just within different cultures, too, at the same time, always kind of being open and understanding uh, one another as human beings and as, you know, different, you know, ethnicities and backgrounds and everything like that. So, I mean, that's like one way of like my definition of like culture in a way of how I see it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I think what I have to agree with you, I think culture um, ultimately is like expression in a form of expression that a collective body of people, so you use the word community, and I think yeah. that's actually very, very fitting for uh, the concept of culture, how it functions, and how it's enacted by people, and I think ultimately it's um, the expression of community, right? Like what yeah. makes us proud to be who we are, what um, makes us who we are, where we're from, what do we hold you know, what do we hold in high regard? What are we against? So on and so forth. Absolutely. Cool, cool. Absolutely. All right. So then the word, the phrase, the phrase of the <laughs> past, like, gosh, like I remember when people first, first started talking about cultural appropriation. And I mean, the thing is, is like cultural appropriation has been a thing for a very long time. We just now have yeah, a phrase absolutely. for it. Like Elvis has been, you know, Elvis was stealing song, like even before yeah. him, like he's, he's surely not the first, not the last, yeah. but, um, you know, ideas have been being taken from, and usually marginalized groups of people and being commodified for mainstream audience, audiences, usually white audiences yeah. for consumption. 
So what what would you what would you define uh, cultural appropriation as? And it's you know it's funny that you're even like talking about this because I feel like yesterday I even for some reason it was just like I was just like in my like design studio and I was just thinking about how you know when it comes to culture and especially like black culture and how I let's just say it's more accepted uh for mm. some reason like you know for some like it's not now that say like even for my industry when it comes to fashion you know especially high fashion mm -hmm. there's one point in time where it's just it's very you know it is very caucasian it, it is very white it yes. is like it is that's what it is and that's what it's you know it, it has always been but now in the past in the past like year or in even like two or three years it's like now they they culturally integrate like us into and now they want to like almost like accept us into uh, their world mm -hmm. and accept our like culture when it comes to you know when because at first it was like urban they were like not trying to be around that and now it's like it's in every advertising campaign marketing campaign you know even when it yeah. like comes to like gucci and now everybody want they like they want to use black people and at the same time i i, I try not to see it as like such a a bad thing because there are some people who just they weren't seeing enough black people too at the same time and mm -hmm. there were people in it that wanted to change that so for example even somebody like Ricardo Tischke who was at Givenchy yeah. and he had Erica Baidu as the face who is so black and yeah. so beautiful that is like I mean <laughs> if we're talking about culture it don't yeah. get no more culture than Baidu like seriously you know so to have somebody like Erica Baidu as like on the like for Givenchy, which I mean, this house has been around for like for ages and eons. So it's just mm -hmm. like it was very like interesting to to see that, and I was you know I was happy to I was absolutely happy to see it. But then that's like, but then you can see where I guess when <laughs> when people start to do, do it as a trend mm -hmm. and not because they're trying to change anything, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of like it, in a sense it, it <laughs> trivializes what it was supposed to mean in the first place. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's like, and I don't believe like that's the right reason <laughs> to try to like include include us and in. it's just like i just feel like you should always be genuine when it comes to you know when it comes to that because that's when it becomes like you know the cultural inappropriation so when you're absolutely. not doing it for the right reasons no absolutely i think culture when we talk about culture um it's this very intimate expression of who you are right and so when someone is taking your culture or something that you hold to be a part of your culture and using it for something that isn't necessarily Something that I guess that you would approve of or that mm -hmm. it was necessarily intended or, you know, intended to be used for in the first place. It's very impersonal and it's, you know, it's, it, it rubs you the wrong way and it kind of makes you look at it some kind of way. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. It does because you can see it when you look at certain, like, you know, when you look at certain magazines or you look at certain ad commercials and just, and I mean, because even I think there was even like, there was like this, even just this one brand, Dolce Gabbana, mm -hmm. who that, you know, recently just got super scrutinized oh, with yeah. um, literally their cultural inappropriation against the, um, like the Asian community. Because for one, the way yeah. he was speak, because for one, it was like they are, they did a, a ad campaign that uh, had, a China, like a Chinese, a Chinese woman, mm -hmm. and they had her eating chops. They has had her eating pizza with a chopstick. It was just like, this is like, like, I was like, who approved? <laughs> who's who approved that and thought that that was not going to be seen like that? Like it's just, I feel like everybody saw how that looked immediately. It just wasn't even like, 
it just didn't even make sense. It was just like, that's so offensive. You know, sometimes <laughs> I, I ask myself this question a lot when I see, like, criticism for these things coming out. Or, like, you know, they they have Gigi Hadid in a fucking Afro wig. And I'm yeah, just looking at yeah. this type of stuff. And I'm like, you know, yeah. when we – when how far removed are the people working for these brands from the real world and what's actually going on and, like, the things that really matter to people? So I have to really ask myself that question as why yeah. this keeps, like, why does this continue to happen? Yeah. Is it that you're just so far removed? Like, it's just, you know, pure ignorance that, you know, in some instances we can forgive or something that you just don't care and you're just kind of, like, perpetuating, like, these ideas and these, like, you know, just kind of doing what you want to do just because. Yeah. And so I just I often ask myself that question. Like, I know... um, I'm not super, super familiar with fashion, but I know mm. Virgil. He's the creative director yeah. at Louis Vuitton right yes. now, right? And so he created this yes. brand, Off-White, which Off-White. is an urban he, uh-huh, brand. Yeah. And it's the biggest brand in the yeah, world right now. Yeah, it's, it definitely is. It it's definitely so is. crazy to me because I'm like, you know, we as as people of color, as black people, we've been getting shitted on for mm-hmm. so long for our particular brand of clothing, our style of clothing. Um and now you have Virgil, who's created this <laughs> line for Louis Vuitton, which is one of the whitest brands in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And it's now the biggest brand in the world. Literally. I'm like, how does this, you know, how does this kind of like shift the dynamics of fashion and like black creativity and where black people are kind of situated and positioned within the larger world of fashion, which, as we know, is very just very heteronormative, very white, very yeah. just like ableist, you only want size two, you don't want anything <laughs> yeah. bigger than that, no boobies, no booty, like none of that. So yeah. Yeah, like yeah, him being, you know, creative director and getting that position at that level, mm-hmm. you know, it absolutely it's it's a beautiful thing to see. It's all it's in a way it's like he's like the that Obama for us who are in fashion yeah. <laughs> because it's like that's such a that's a first type it of is. thing for an African American to literally that's been my literal dream and what I'm also been like working to but I mean I want the Chanel house I don't want yes yeah, okay yeah. So, yes <laughs> yeah that's like I've been shooting for that house for the longest like that's the house I'm like manifesting <laughs> into existence for me to be creative director for because even that ha- had like being African American <laughs> in a house like that would just that would just send just kind of like that's just like because it, it was interesting even when I started wow. designing to you know and of course me I, at, at this more at this moment I still feel like I'm always I feel like until I get there I'm gonna always feel like an emerging designer mm-hmm. um, just simply because it's like I, because I know where I want to end up at mm-hmm. and it was interesting when I started designing and then I would get like messages and DMs from like you know kids that would just be like I inspire them or what I'm there it's like and and, I, and then I started to I guess understand more of my purpose and my why for how I even got to this place. Because like I said, my background came from me modeling and playing basketball, and I've been playing basketball my whole life. So designing came out of nowhere. Okay. Like literally me doing it. So, But it was like <clears throat> even me kind of wanting to do it, it was like it was something in me that – it was almost like the like that of like a pastor. It was like a calling. It was like it was hurting me not to do it, mm-hmm. you know. So and that's why I ended up like pursuing it, and then to see the reaction from people, you know, I think because it's like someone like me doing high fashion, and I'm black, and I come from Harlem, and I went to Lincoln High School in South, you went to Dallas. South Dallas. Yes, exactly. Oh, so <laughs> exactly. So it's just like when people that do know me from those like eras or whatever and then they see this it's like and I'm like kind of moving around all around the world literally mm-hmm. so it's just like it, it's it, it shows them another like it shows them something else yeah you know outside of our environments which is usually sports drugs entertainment like that's where the environment that I was raised uh, you know raised in and raised 
to know that those were our way out, (laughs) you know. So when they see somebody like me that's doing all these other things that are completely not in that arena at all anymore, you know, it's just for them to hit me and be like, you know, oh, man, like. That's that's like, you know, it's inspiring for them to see it and that they want to know more. Or they want to kind of be like understand how I got to this point. It's just like so it's interesting that impact and that how to in on me understanding even how to use this platform as I go along mm-hmm. in my career as a designer and just understanding like, you know, uh, that's why I say I always design with purpose. Every collection, it's like I don't I don't even make a collection if. I'm not feeling like I need to say something. I need, if, and Absolutely. if I say something, it's just like it needs to be something that's like relevant to you know what people can relate to and also like attach themselves to when it comes to like in my la- like my last collection. I was uh, speaking towards people that you know deal with suicidal thoughts. Yeah, you know, because me, I've, 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 de- I dealt with it. I've committed suicide four times to myself. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I understand what that space is. So, and me even just it kind of creeping back in my mind over the past year, just because of my own life struggles. <laughs> and like I said, and that's why I end up naming the collection human, because at the end of the day, we're all human and no one's exempt from those life struggles and the, you know, and these thoughts that we have. So, and this is my, and luckily I get to use fashion as my way to express that. And in my runway shows are like, you living inside of my head <laughs> that people get to come to and so that's the way i design and the way i create in that way it it cr- again creates that conversation <laughs> you know for people to understand that you're not alone absolutely <laughs> absolutely so. so my grandma has this really, I, I love clothing i'm not uh super like i don't really know a lot about high fashion mm-hmm. but i love it I yeah, love yeah, yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Like, so i love it yeah um and my grandma always said this saying she's like there are a lot of things in life that you can't control but your appearance is one Absolutely. And so that has always been super, super powerful <laughs> to me because I've been in so many positions in my life where I couldn't control anything but how I look like, yeah. but what I look like. What I, I could choose what I wanted to wear. I could choose my hair. I could choose, you know, how I wanted to present myself. I think that's extremely revolutionary for black people and in particular black youth because so many things are pushed onto us as far as like who we're supposed to be or who we're perceived to be. And I think clothing is like this really, really revolutionary way to kind of like embody who you actually are mm-hmm. and who you think you are and to like make that bold statement. I also think just to kind of like go back to what you were saying about black people being absent from like these creative positions, like these like really high creative positions mm-hmm. in fashion <clears throat> houses. And I think that's so important to see just even seeing Virgil and to see so many others that will potentially follow along in his steps. I'm not even going to say potentially because I feel like now that he's opened the door, mm-hmm. it's only a matter of time, right? Oh, like it's only a matter of time absolutely. before they call, they start coming to the source, hopefully, mm-hmm. and start, you know, giving us the money that we deserve and yeah. start putting us in these positions and not even just putting us in these famous fashion houses, but yeah. to where black people can fund and create fashion houses that are the same caliber as Chanel, as Louis Vuitton, as Prada, Dior, like all these different houses. I think it's just literally, it's only a matter of time, but I think to see people of color in those positions. Oh, trust me, I'll make that happen. Oh, yes. Trust me, that's also also (laughs) a plan in active motion right now. Yes. Because like, like you said, it's just like, what makes it difficult to do that is because you have to have capital on mm-hmm. a whole nother level to to really because it's like it's what like like me like I tell people that's why I say I'm an emerging designer because it's just like it, it, there's no way even if I you know do every collection in every collection like I sell stuff but and don't get me wrong it's like yeah it's like stepping stones and building blocks but 
in order to really create an infrastructure, you really have to have a lot of capital at the mm-hmm. like once. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to just build it like we just with this much and that much or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's it's it takes a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like and you know understanding how this industry moves and especially it's <laughs> my ambitious ass. <laughs> it's just like I I know the way I have to do it in order for it to actually be successful. And mm-hmm. luckily, again, over this past like year or two, I've even understood more because at one point in time, it was like, okay, I knew that I had, to, I, I know I need to have an infrastructure, but I don't know, for example, like what, how to get the capital, first of all. And then now I kind of found out the answer on like how I can actually get the capital. And then after that, it's still like, okay, now that I know that, but I still need to understand, okay, my operations, what roles do I need to have in place? But it's like, I don't even know, I didn't even know like the title of what those roles should be. Mm-hmm. And so now that I do know the titles of what those roles should be, it's like now I understand which phases and those roles that I need to have at phase one, two, and three within my infrastructure at certain times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't, not every role is necessary at the jump. It's just like, you know, you incrementally, you, you like know, need things those. as you grow. Exactly, right. exactly, right. exactly. So now that I understand that, it's like now I can like now put together this business portfolio that I need to put together in order to be in front of a board of people who will, you know, basically give me the capital and finance the backing that I need in order to create my own Chanel like Mm -hmm. situation. Right. You know, to be to get on that level. And because it's not impossible, you just really you have to almost prophesize your future. And un- and literally see every step of the way of it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so and luckily now that vision is more clear to me than it ever was. So yeah. now I know it. Now it's just gonna take a little bit of time to put that portfolio together, and then we gonna be Amazing. in the board of people and get what we need to make it happen. And yeah. I want to do that here, being and in Dallas you too. Do it in Dallas, yeah, 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 because yeah. it's so possible. Mm-hmm. It's just somebody has to do it. Has somebody has to really. Somebody has to be like the first to do it, and it'll most likely be me. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm totally with that. Like, I definitely think that would open so many doors. Oh, for absolutely. Because so I'm ready to call my friends and be like, all right, y'all can quit y'all job now. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. That's always the dream. That's always the dream. Right. Because that's what I'm doing it for. I'm like, that's what I tell you. I'm just like, that's why I kill myself with this and going so hard and ending up in hospitals and shit like you know which I need to do better with that I need to take care of myself even more but still it's just like it's all because of the people I do it not just for me but I do it for the people that have been supporting me since day one and that's literally I mean been doing it for free you know and just on a on the strength of believing in my vision you know and Mm -hmm. them understanding and they know that I have something here, you know, and Mm -hmm. I feel it even for myself and I believe that and I know that, you know, so and that's why like I that's why I go so hard. And so it's just like they they get that. And I'm just I'm thankful to have (laughs) friends like that that have been have been riding with me. I mean, literally for eight years now. So absolutely. That's like priceless. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So let's um, shift some gears here. So I see this a lot. I would say generally just because of just the way that the political climate has transpired over the past couple of years, I pretty much purged everybody from my social media that does not like, doesn't think like <laughs> me. Cause I'm just like, at this point, I don't want to see that shit because I'm just not yeah. going to agree with it. It's just going to piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> but I, um, a friend of mine posted a status today. Um, and she was talking about black women in particular and like weave and long nails and a lot of jewelry and like baggy clothing and just like stuff that 
has always kind of been associated with us and that we've always been criticized for. And she's like, when we do it, we're loud, ghetto, black, ratchet-ass bitches. She was <laughs> like, but when the Kardashians or somebody else, some other mainstream, mm-hmm. you know, white celebrity or Instagram model or racially ambiguous Instagram model puts this stuff on, all of a sudden it's beautiful, it's trendy. It's, it has, like, all these different names, like mm-hmm. boxer braids and shit like that. And I'm just more, like, <laughs> like, chic names yeah, to it. Like, it's <laughs> like these mini buns. I'm like, you mean Bantu nice? And yeah. so I guess that leads me to my, my next question. Why do you think people are angry about cultural appropriation because i will say i feel from what i have observed that there is a lot of anger about cultural mm-hmm. appropriation the way that it's kind of transpiring i mean i feel like people are you know more angry about it because i think there is like like at one point where <laughs> i guess like say like people weren't woke <laughs> and now <laughs> <laughs> now everybody's awake <laughs> you know yeah. so it's like they they care more people care more so it's just like that's why even just the world is maybe a little bit more sensitive than it used to be too at the same time mm-hmm. and very quick to call something out <laughs> like you know yeah. it's almost like you have like a board of people just like waiting it's yes, just like waiting for somebody call to call out fuck culture up. Yeah, yeah exactly you know which i i think it it's good to hold people accountable especially when they absolutely are you know like being being offensive and being highly offensive and especially when it comes to like cultures and Mm -hmm. things like that because people can have a certain perception of a culture that they don't even fully truly understand or even took the time to research these cultures but Mm -hmm. they're just kind of say like doing things on from uh from a, a surface level perspective without any like in-depth research of those cultures so they're just doing like the stereotype of something and then that's when it becomes mainly usually that's when it becomes offensive like you know because it's just like every culture you know has a some type of stereotype attached to it you know it's just like and i feel like that's for obviously that's like that's just like one reason of why you know absolutely like why people get mad about it and i mean which i feel like you know, you should. I just feel like again, people should be accountable when they do, when they do something that hasn't that like the thought wasn't completely thought through. Behind it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I'm the, just like you motive. need to know <laughs> that you know, and that's why I like say like for example, like museums for the most part they're very like Jesus. careful about stuff like that because yeah. they know people. Like if you have you, it, I think it, even when I was watching the first Monday in May for like the Met Gala when they were doing the. Um, I can't remember what the the, the thing like the the name of the theme for that gala was, but mm-hmm. um, they had to. It was basically an Asian. It was Asian culture, but they was making sure that like because you know it's like you have Chinese and you have Japanese and you have Korean, so it's just like yes, they had, like they had Asia to be is very large. Yeah, so they had to be <laughs> very specific at like what say like for which gallery space was what because it's just like especially when it comes to their like uh, like their you know the the different. Uh, like religions there too it's just like they were making sure that it mm-hmm. was it, it was right it was yeah. correct <laughs> like it wasn't because it's like you have somebody of that culture that walks in and they see that they're like why is that even here that doesn't even make sense with mm-hmm. this because that's not even from the japanese culture that's from you know the Chinese. so it's just like you have to be like very careful about those type of things because you can offend pe- people then won't you won't even like know it but that's why if you're going to do things in regards to a culture that you're not immediately of, <laughs> that you need to just do your research in depth. That way you don't even have to run into that because you've thought it through. You've thought about, 
you've thought it you thought about it through the eyes of uh, of others that will see that mm-hmm. and most people a lot of people don't do that like they won't see or when they do things they won't do it in a way of seeing it through the eyes of the viewer or mm-hmm. the consumer they, do, they just are just doing it because they think it's like trendy. it's either trendy or it's going to make noise or it's going to go viral you know it's just like right. they're just kind of just like doing things with no thought <laughs> and that's <Yeah>. dangerous <laughs> right, it absolutely is i think um that's is like what you just said. I think that's probably like the number one reason that people get extremely angry about cultural appropriation. Like for instance, braiding, like braiding hair is like this really um, intimate part of black culture, black hair culture. And so I actually recently found out, which I didn't know this. I'm ashamed to say I didn't know this, but um, I didn't know that the reason black women braided their hair, especially when coming from America over to, or coming from Africa to America is that they're, they would braid seeds into their hair so they could plant food when they got yeah. to America. And I didn't know that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so that makes it even more offensive to me now because I'm like, nobody, I'm sure the people who are braiding their hair that aren't black have no working knowledge about why we actually braid our hair yep. and what it's paying homage <laughs> to and so on and so forth. And then I think the second reason that people get really upset and kind of what we're here talking about today is the money behind it. So yeah. when you take something that has historically and traditionally been associated with a culture and you take it out of its context and then you modify it, you mon- you know, you know, monetize it and you use it to earn money, but none of that money ever goes back to the source of who actually brought the trend forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's really dangerous. I think that's selfish. I think that it just shows um, just in general the relationship that America in particular has is with black people. Like black people are not respected unless we're, you know, putting some type of capital gain or asset on the table to be consumed that could be taken away and that white people can actually make money from. So, I mean, I just kind of like, I think that that's something to really consider when we talk about cultural appropriation. And that kind of brings me to my next question. Really, I kind of want you to talk. So what I, um, this is how I came to really know about you is that you are a fashion designer, and mm-hmm. you had designs that were taken or stolen mm-hmm. by Forever 21? They were definitely copied. Okay. <laughs> For sure. Can you tell us more about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so yeah, Forever 21 with my concept line, the Do Not Touch concept line, they did literally the exact same thing. And my thing is, anytime, again, <laughs> anytime that I come up with a design, especially because that was my first design that I was doing, like, typography of any sort. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, I, and I did my research as far as, like, and I always do my research when I'm implementing any type of detail that I'm going to, like, um, like expand on within a collection mm-hmm. um, just to make sure, like, you know, because sometimes, like, unconsciously we'll see things and then we, like, think it's ours or think it's our idea. Uh, so I just, I'm very, like, conscious of that to be sure, like, you know, I'm not just kind of, like, doing something just because, because, like, it'll hit you, but then it's just like, okay, let me just, like, make sure this is this hasn't been, like, done like this or make sure it hasn't been done at all, mm-hmm. you know? So, and when I did the whole Do Not Touch um I definitely like research. I literally, I re, and then what I did, because again, this was such a simple, it was such a simple concept that went untapped mm-hmm. that I knew somebody, it, if I did it, that it would, like, somebody would try to, to take it. Not knowing that it would ever actually happen, mm-hmm. but I'm very glad that, like, you know, I documented the process along uh, as I was creating the collection. And even when I did my research before I actually even put out like the first like <clears throat> like the first like hats I think I had made it was like the first thing before I even like did the collection. Um, 
just to it because I had, I was re, I was researching like on the actual fast fashion websites like Forever Twenty One, um, yes, Urban Outfitters, H and M, just to see like because I know they do like a lot of stuff like that's kind of simple and that they do whatever, and none of them had done it. Like I literally went to every website typed in do not touch just to see if it was something that they've done in some way Mm -hmm. and even like i go on google and i'll like type in like you know do not touch um high fashion or do not touch fashions or whatever the case may be it's like you only and i think only one thing i saw was uh it was it was like those little like like someone like like a super cheap like shirt that had like a like a circle thing in it but it said don't touch like it didn't say like do not touch so basically it was like okay no one has touched this <laughs> at all. So, and when I, d- so basically I did, I did it. And it was like, soon as I kind of like showed the collection and then maybe like a month after, and because Do Not Touch, it was like one of those, that was like, I would say my collection that like, that paid off, I guess in a way, because it was like everybody kept wanting it. Even when I was like trying to move on to the next collection, mm-hmm. they were just like, do you anymore? Do not touch the <laughs> you know? So, and, and I think especially when people understood like what it meant as far as like the definition that I gave it, cause it's like, you always see it in the museum or like, you know, with the art and you just kind of see it. If you're like, you know, just on stuff, but you never really just like seen it on like a human being, like, <laughs> you know, for the most part, cause the whole inspiration started from the whole Trayvon Martin thing. Yeah. So yeah. And that was where like I, like the inception of it came from because I was thinking about just my mind, just the way it works. It's just like, I was thinking about him in that, in that scenario, in that situation, you know, at that time that he was in and just thinking about the, the, the psychology behind people's fear when it comes to certain things, especially a black kid, Absolutely. black hoodie at nighttime, intimidating to any person that that's walking for some so reason. Like, so much like political yeah. stuff behind that spray, like very strongly, <laughs> do not touch it, especially exactly. when a black person is wearing exactly. that. Exactly. So it was like me thinking about that, but I thought about it like, <clears throat> what if he would have had, you know, had do not touch like on the hoodie like this? And it was just like, it's something about when you put something on a hoodie, it's, it's, almost, it's less, it's, it, it's, you don't look at that person so negatively, you right. know, you don't look at them with this fear or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, it was so to think about that. I'm thinking about the psychology of every time someone looked and saw do not touch from the person like walking to him in that, uh, in that direction. It's like when you first see it, it's just like your first, your mind triggers it, it instantly triggers. You don't even have a choice when you see do not touch. And like, that's all you see. Mm-hmm. It's like your first mind is to either, you know, respect that boundary because you're because you're reading it to yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> when you when you so anytime you're like saying anything or having conversations with yourself in your own head it's like you're listening to yourself first so again and that's like something like that could have possibly saved his life in a way yeah if you really think about it because no, absolutely that part because he would have thought twice and it, this looking at it from the psychology of that it's just like it does force you to think twice like you know and or even just because I've even like uh, just when I'm wearing it out and about you know I've had like women just be like oh my gosh I need that because it plays to like a mood you know, yeah. you know there was like so many different reasons for why like for just what people feel if, when they wear it or when they see it, especially when you just like see it on a human it's either always uh, triggered 
in like uh, like a funny response or it's like a, it's super like jokingly like like ah I touched you like you know stuff mm-hmm. like that. But again, every response it was never a negative, fearful like response. You know, so because like again, it's just like in me wanting to have something like this. It's like when you like I said when you go to a museum and you treat art with this higher value and delicacy of perspective. And I feel like that was the same way we should treat human lives. So mm-hmm. that's how. It got Absolutely. into that, you know, into that arena. And then just women in general, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like dudes out here grabbing on you, touching on your ass when you go out in the club. And it's just like, what if your clothes could speak Man. for you? Yeah. And, you know, and that was the, and then the B side of that was me wanting to bring awareness to women trafficking. Again, me yeah. designing with purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so. Absolutely. And I think for a company like Forever 21, a company that is very large, um, to take that, take something that you created. Yeah. And there's so much, like, you know, they have all this money. They have all these, like, you know, fashion production places that they can, like, spew this shit out really fast, sell it quick. And no- yep. it's nothing to them. It's a book. Absolutely. It's just an extra book. And to take it out of context and make it into this thing that's trendy. While it's trendy for you because you created it. Yeah, And it's absolutely. trendy, but it actually, it actually Like, it's has okay to, for it to be trendy for me because right. I made it. Like, yeah. you know. And that's, so. and that's perfectly yeah. fine. But it, but it also has, you know, it has a much deeper meaning behind it for yeah. you because also because, you know, you made it. Absolutely. So for them to take it, it's just kind of like, how did yeah. that how did that situation yeah. end for you? Uh, it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that it's uh, still an ongoing thing. Yeah, because when it, when it happened, and again, like you said, like understanding that, bro, y'all have so many designers underneath y'all team. Y'all are literally a conglomerate. Y'all are a $6 billion company. Yeah. $6 billion company. I'm just like, Jeez. and as many, and the thing is why, why it was so offensive to me, because I'm just like, not even just the fact that you just like stole it. I'm just like, for one, when you have to think about everybody's structure and how they market and advertise things, I'm just like, you literally could have just emailed me and asked, like, do you want to do, like, collaboration if you wanted it that much? Or if you wanted to, because I'm like, y'all do it with celebrities all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll do, you know, collection collaborations with, you know, these celebrities or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you literally can do the same thing with, like, designers. If you see something online that you like, you think, like, obviously, it's just like, we ain't got no money. So, of course, we'll probably consider it for sure. You know, so for them to just do that and, like, and then the way I, it was like, the way I found it, I'm just like, it didn't do anything but make them look bad. And then the fact that when the day that I found out, I had, because, and I didn't even, I the day, I took the day to even think about what I wanted to do. I didn't, like, immediately kind of, like, just it's go It's shocking, hand. though. Like, yeah, right? it's like it what was, the fuck? Like? Yeah, exactly. Because it was, like, this Instagram model, like, Rosa Acosta, she was wearing theirs. And that's, everybody kept, literally, everybody kept tagging me on hers, thinking oh, that it geez, was mine. Because yeah. they were like, oh, congrats, you got it on Rosa Costa. Yada. I was like, yeah, that's not mine. Like, at all. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was like, that's that's not mine. And and that was when I was like, oh, wow. And then so, and literally, I feel like when people found out that it wasn't mine, it was like, they started blowing her stuff up. Like, everybody started tagging for Forever 21. And then when I posted it, it just, like. It, it just went viral just everywhere. Rightfully I mean, literally, so, yeah. yeah. It was just like every like news outlet for the most part like covered it. When it, I mean, the Huffington, uh, Vogue, Teen Vogue, yes. um, Yahoo. Yes. It was just like Talk they were like Google. Shit. I was just like there were so many like outlets I didn't even really know existed, but they were like I know like notable people and stuff. I was like. Now, like, literally everybody in in all the local ones, like, here in Dallas, too, as well. So, online and in, like, in, like, actual, like, you know, magazines, too. Yeah, I think the first place I read about it was in D Magazine. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, it was just, like, to, because it's annoying, just, like, y'all do this to emerging designers that don't have shit, don't have money to really be a Forever 21. And yet, y'all sit up here and y'all just take 
<laughs> from culture, literally. That's yeah. what they do. That's culture literally culture. what they do. Culture vultures, like Dame <laughs> said. Like, you know, it's just like that's literally what they do. So it's just it's frustrating, especially like that. So, but I, I'm not. I, <laughs> I wasn't the one that wasn't going. That was just going to roll over. So I'm currently still in this like lawsuit with them. It's no, been, and I, I think that you <laughs> should, and I know you will. I know yeah, you already yeah. are pursue it as far as you can. But I think that because um, you know this happens all the time. Oh, like, they're yeah. like, I'm on Instagram a lot, and so I just a few weeks ago, or maybe it's a few months ago, I saw that uh, Fashion Nova. Is it Jay Nice? And them, them stealing, like, literally to the T. Nova. Good American. Khloe Kardashian stealing from um, these young, like, designers, independent designers. And I'm just, like, looking at this shit, like, yeah, like who the fuck is going to hold y'all accountable for this shit? Like, this is trash. Like, this is trash. And, like, they do it to these designers because they know they don't have the same leverage that they do. Absolutely. Like, we can go in and, like, because you can't produce this shit as fast as we can. Yep. We can go in, snatch that, cool, yep. send it to our uh, our factory in China Literally. and have, like, you know, a Y'all million of these shirts. And overnight and the next yes, day. Done. So And quick. so I just, like, really think that's so shitty just because, like, it just really goes back to, like, you know, you taking, just plucking, like, what you want. Oh, we, oh, we like that. We'll take that. We'll take this. We'll take that. You know, fuck that. Fuck yep. that. But we'll take all this. Exactly. And it's just like, you know, them cherry picking what they want to pick. And I, I hate that because it takes it out of context. And I feel like that is the essence of cultural appropriation at its finest. You taking it from a culture or taking it from a designer that belongs to a culture and just monetizing on their ideas. Yep. And just like <laughs> completely just disregarding everything they've put into all the work, all the thought. And when you explain do not touch, that's very powerful. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you see it slapped onto, you know, a cheap-ass crop top. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, what exactly. is this? Like <laughs> Exactly. Because even with that, it's like, because me, I, I mine's I put across, like, the actual, like, chest area. Mm-hmm. And then when they did it, they put it down on, like, the band part. Mm-hmm. So in the law-wise, it's like I can't sue them for the design because of that. Mm-hmm. Even though they did, like, I did a bra-like bra, type, kind of like sports bra-like situation. Mm-hmm. And they did the sports bra silhouette it wasn't the same color and even like the the little details weren't the same but it still was like the idea was still like mine and you could see and everybody plainly like plainly like saw it because it was just like they weren't doing that and now that they do it it's just like that's just too that's too much of a coincidence of a thing and then so when that so basically like when that happened even just like with this whole suit it's like I'm suing them for the the timing of inception, basically saying that I came up with the idea before they did. I posted it. I like have like actual time, date, stamps, invoices saying that. And they and luckily I even had like screenshots of when I searched it on on their uh, website before I actually like did it that showed that oh it wasn't gosh. in their database yes. at all. Yeah. And that and then I screenshot it when they had it online. Because when I when it went viral, they took it down out of their like database on the website, which is crazy because they have like over a million items <laughs> on their mm-hmm. website for Forever Twenty One. So the fact that it showed it showed that they were guilty. <laughs> so it's like I had the timestamp of when they had it up there, and I had the timestamp of when they took it down, mm-hmm. and when it wasn't when when it wasn't up there anymore. Which they did that like in a few hours, I guess. Because again, it was like. They're getting like all probably all these tags and DMs and stuff from people. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was like y'all are like super guilty. So, yeah, so now we're suing them. And actually, I'm doing a joint suit because lawsuits are very expensive. Like, <laughs> and this is why they get away with it because yeah. 
<laughs> emergent designers don't have money to, to pay lawyer. lawyers. Yeah. Like that lawyers are so expensive. They like very much are. you have no idea. <laughs> like they are so expensive, especially the ones we got. Like they are ridiculously <laughs> expensive. But they are worth it because I mean, even for I mean Forever Twenty One, they've already they because I'm so I'm doing a joint suit with two other other brands. One of them is Puma. The other one is, I can never remember the name of it because it's they're like out of Washington and Seattle. Um, and then I mean, like, I, I forgot he did tell us he didn't want to actually say his stuff, but um, but it's like uh, yeah, we're doing a joint suit, and they've already offered us like multiple settlements already. And the reason why, like again, like they get away with it because they do pay people settlements because mm-hmm. they have and people need that money. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And, and 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 it's like because but the thing is, we at first before we found out the information we found out, we were probably most likely willing going to probably take a settlement of some sort. But when we found out that Within their, uh, within their infrastructure, they have a 10% built-in, like, fund <laughs> for lawsuits for when they steal people's designs. Cause they, so they plan on stealing more shit. Oh. Uh, like, this is like... They literally have a department that is, like, dedicated for when that happens. Oh, my god! And uh, they have a, like, a actual, like, fund, like, money that they give away for settlements. Mm-hmm. So they're 10% of a $6 billion, They just got $600 million to give away on settlements, basically. <laughs> so it's just like... <laughs> you know what? And if and if y'all decide to take a settlement, take 100 mil. Take 100 mil. Oh, I mean, we, <laughs> like, because uh, this is my see, thing. We, it's we, like, the thing, we're suing them for $2 billion. Yeah. So oh, well then. Because it's just like we have to send a message that is so no, big is. and that will um, that actually will it will hurt their infrastructure to where the point they will have to change it yes. and they can't so it, it it teaches you it's like spanking them you know baby on the ass and they do something wrong it's just like so they don't keep doing that and yeah. it literally i mean if we take two billion of your six billion dollar empire i'm like that will force you to change some things you like, know that is so <laughs> that is so super <laughs> shitty but I, i'm so proud of y'all for doing what and i'm sure other people probably have wanted to do it but like again like yeah, again it's like people though. it's expensive and people don't <laughs> fighting have, for like, the culture is expensive yes, y'all. <laughs> it really is. like doing it for the culture is very doing fucking for expensive. The like, is expensive it's almost like y'all are martyrs like, yeah. y'all are, like putting yourselves on the line <laughs> for this literally we are like, literally we are. that's why i'm telling this like that's why like i mean literally i mean <laughs> this law i mean this lawsuit it's it's that's why, like, my collections even honestly have, like, came out a little bit slower than they usually have because, I mean, like, again, it costs money. So it's, like, doing fighting for that is, like, it is hurting That's me a in a way. Job and I am that. sacrificing a lot to yeah. fight this battle, you know, but I know it'll be worth it in the end. And for one, all of us, we all have our, like, documented proof it's just that forever 21 they like prolong it and they'll try to find every little thing to drag it out mm-hmm. and that's 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 just like what they do and again like with the, even with the settlements i mean they've offered us i think like the last settlement they offered each one of us was like 20 million for each one of us which don't get me wrong obviously that's a lot of money and then we could just be like yes yeah, go for it but it's just like it's much bigger than the money because it's not mm-hmm. about the money <laughs> yeah. yeah and i think i think so i think I mean, obviously, if it's built into their infrastructure, companies like Forever 21 are so used to this that they're like, well, it's nothing for us to toss them 20 million. Exactly. Write it off. Nothing. It's cool. (laughs) And it's like, no, like, you need to feel this. Like, we're going to give you all the smoke. Like, you need to feel the tea because this is some bullshit. Exactly. You got to get all this. (laughs) Okay. So then let's let's shift gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, like, in the future, not even in the future, I don't want to say in the future, Mm -hmm. but like, because you are a black creative, you are a designer. And um, 
so much of black culture and like I, I'm working on my PhD, so I'm a writer and I have consistently seen my intellectual property in places I never would have thought. And so oh, I'm just wow. like, <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. And so like, what would you, what would you offer to black artists um, in regards to like making sure they get their bag, making sure they're compensated for their work? Mm-hmm. Like what should, what steps should black creatives and black artists be taking to make sure that I mean, ultimately, you can't really make sure because if they want to steal from you, they're going to do it any damn yeah, ways. But, like, what absolutely. can you do? What kind of legal protections do you think would you offer or would you, uh, you know, tell young black creatives that they should put in place for themselves? Um, again, like I said, if, like, for me, luckily, like, what even helped my case is the fact that I did document every thing that I did and I did it along the way mm-hmm. I mean that's and I and honestly I would say that's one way <laughs> to like I mean it don't even matter if you wrote like the idea on some napkin hold on to it like it's just like it because it's just like it, there's so many ways that they can they can tell with it like you know okay this idea it, it came from you even though somebody might try to take it from you and claim it as their own and say they did it first it's just like I mean just like honestly document everything and just when it comes to business I would say and obviously you know, um, I mean, and it especially depends on what business you're in, because I mean, obviously, everyone is different when it comes to like the way you protect things. Because within fashion, unfortunately, being in America, you can't. There's no like laws against it. That's why Fashion Nova can get away with it. That's right. why like, all these different brands that steal. So trademarks work differently a, for just different things. Yeah, yeah. it's just because it, you can't. You can't like trademark like. A, a hoodie. design or yeah. a hoodie. It's just like you just you can't not here. You can't, but you know, and no, but overseas you can. So it's it's crazy because their government is like involved in their fashion, and that's mm-hmm. only because they. It's just different. They have like artisans and craftsmen, which is almost considered art in mm-hmm. the, in its end. So and even like in the museums and art, it's just like they have a way of how they're able to you know, pr- protect from, you know, people that commit fraud <laughs> of like, pl- you know, uh, almost like plagiarizing, you know, their works and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with fashion, it's just, it's so different in America. They just, this is why like, you know, certain designers, even like Michael Kors would always get scrutinized for stealing European designers' designs. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, because here you can get away with it. Like no one is going to, you can't, they can't literally, like they can't come over here and do anything about it. And then yeah. <laughs> like here, if you know fashion, you'll know that they like the they stole from somebody else. So then it just comes down to your own like moral compass on if you're going to support that <laughs> by buying it or whatever the case may be. But it's very yeah, because fashion with the law part of it, they're literally. I mean, even like NYU and uh, like Columbia University, like they're literally they have like programs and things that they're like putting together and even taking these things to you know, to like DC to try to put some laws in place where that protects, you know, designers, right. emerging designers, you know, everybody that way there can be, you know, people can be accountable for these things when they do happen. You right. know, so like, I have a bunch of friends who have are finishing law school, recently graduated law school. And so um, property law, like yeah. trademark, copyright, yeah. intellectual property, like this type of law is increasingly becoming um, very popular very high in demand because this is happening so mm-hmm. much and people are finally starting to like be like no i'm gonna actually take this to court like this is bullshit like no people are taking my ideas mm-hmm. like i said the crazy thing is, is like it's been happening for so long at this point but it's just now starting to like get a name mm-hmm. and becoming something that we can actually legal and there there is a big legal gap yeah. there are a lot of laws that haven't even been put into yeah. place to protect people so that's like ongoing battle too and they're kind of like running concurrently to each other and so we're just yeah. kind of like seeing that all play out so it'll be interesting to see your case 
in 20 years from now what how that ends up and how like yeah. what laws have been put in place just because of even what you're going through right now yeah and it's so funny because they're actually like professors from columbia that are like that have been along the ride with us with it with our case literally yeah. because so because they're literally they are a part of it because they're trying to see literally what specific laws and specific things that they can take Man. and implement to make like i mean what I, like like i said this case really it will when i say it'll change things not just in a way you know uh, for like you know for Fred 21 but I'm talking about for everybody everybody that's a designer and that's getting into this and that are already in it too as well I mean even people that got their stuff stolen from it, when these certain laws get put in place they can then go back and even fight appeal it this you stuff, know and yeah. appeal it exactly so and that's I mean that'll be a beautiful day like when that, no. when that comes you've so, taken on I'm a very, very large undertaking yeah. but a very very powerful and important one yeah. and I'm like I can say I'm proud of you and I hope that oh, it works you. out in thank your you. best best favor thank you amazing yeah, absolutely amazing okay so let me um ask you this one last this one last question mm -hmm. we'll go ahead and wrap up for the night yeah. so social media um I have seen this a lot in regards to the discourse around cultural appropriation but um that social media in a lot of ways has harmed black creatives because it, while it does give you more visibility and you're, mm -hmm. you're exposed to a broader audience, it also kind of exposes you to the culture vultures, the people who are inclined to steal and mm -hmm. steal without, you know, just blatantly steal yeah. and, you know, take people's ideas, monetize them and have absolutely no intention of ever, 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 ever compensating these people for what they've done. So what is your stance on that? And do you feel like social media has in some ways made black culture and the culture of marginalized groups too accessible and too available to outside people? Um, well, um, let's see, how would I answer that? Um, I would say, I don't think like social, I don't want to say like social media because even me, it's like I've like learned to even almost like create. I think when you start to understand that it's happening, then again, it's like we all have to like adjust or start to adapt and do things in a way where it's like, cause I like, for example, like my, when that whole, you know, Forever 21 thing happened to me with the do not touch, like now, and it's so funny, little, th little things that you can do, uh, like, again, to protect yourself mm -hmm. is like, so there's like, I don't know if I have it, I don't know, it's probably on the back of the shirt, but like, now that I do like the typography stuff and like and I'm starting to get into even just like more graphic because graphic design and typography stuff those things you can actually like trademark and do all those things and like you're kind of protected but you just again you have to pay to do all that stuff too mm -hmm. and not it's like but again it's like you only people don't do it because it's like you don't it's just like that's an expense so it's like but you don't know is this gonna be worth this or is it just like a one-off and then like because not every again I didn't know do not touch was gonna be what it turned into like you know so but when it did it's like of course now I had to do all that stuff or mm -hmm. I need to I have to do all that stuff or whatever so I think now even the way that I've like done it now that I do like type other typography stuff I'll literally put um all Smith II rights reserved on in the print underneath it literally like it's like on like my shirt <laughs> like you know so mm -hmm. and the lawyer said even when you do stuff like that the, that it's protected right there <laughs> which Good, is a clever like, way yes. to be for yeah and it's just yeah. like that's such i was like and i didn't even and at first I didn't, I didn't even think about it when i did it but it was just it was just more of a reactional design that i did just because of what happened mm -hmm. so i put all smith and that and actually i put all smith uh i said 
I said all Smith the second. I think I said all fucking rights Smith the second, something like that. <laughs> like I can't if I can't remember like my own shit. But I put like fucking because I was just like being very like adamant about it. Yeah, like like don't steal thing. my shit. Like yeah. basically, and that's basically what the message is about that. You know. So, but social media absolutely has made everything more visible. You know, and more accessible for people. <laughs> to be inspired and to steal, like you know, all at the same time. It's like it's definitely a double-edged sword. With it the is. Good comes the bad. Really comes the is. weird shit. Comes the shit Absolutely. in between. Like all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. So I think it's just I, I, when it because it's, it's like I said, it's very hard to be like, okay, what do you do? Like to protect it, but it's just one of those things where I think when you again, I, it does again because I had to adjust and start to even think a certain way to protect my designs, my ideas, and things like that. I think it does force everybody that is, like, creating or being a creative to to keep that in mind when creating, and especially when you put things, like, out there, you know, on social media uh, for people. Because it's like you see so many things on this screen all day, and you're scrolling up and scrolling up. So, again, that's why I say even some people are, like, like I said, how I said I like to be conscious because I know sometimes people can be very unconscious by, like, doing something that they thought was their idea. Mm-hmm. And because of social media, you know, we're looking at this all day. We're looking and staring at these screens all day, mm-hmm. you know, at least some people are, you know, and it's just like our minds are so powerful. Just people who have no idea how really, like, we are sponges, like, uh, especially, absorb so much we stuff. absorb so much, like, it's like, you're like a computer, like, it's just like, <laughs> like, people really don't get it, so, and these people, but then you have some people that just don't care, and they're just literally just out here, and they're just like, do this, create this, this is theirs, whatever, but, you know, and you just got people mm-hmm. that just really don't give a shit, and that, and again, like I said, people like that are very, very dangerous, so, when it comes to, yeah, we just when it comes yeah, when it comes to just designing, it's just I think just being just keeping that in mind when you when you are like creating something because it's just it's again right now it, it's still very hard to protect designs and doing these things and mm-hmm. I think you just have to create in a way that almost like they they have to even figure out because with my high end stuff it's like you know I create in a way I create even just like silhouettes like that. I haven't seen, but that's why I design because it's like I like to create what I haven't seen or mm-hmm. it's things I have seen. It's like I'm like, how do I move it into the next level? How do I take this simple familiarity and just add one detail that makes it original now? <laughs> you know, like even like when I like did I do like these things called like the Vitruvian silhouette, mm-hmm. which was my thing that I actually like I did copyright it because it's going to be a thing one day. Not, everybody, <laughs> not everybody's caught on to it yet, but it's like I put like these kind of like I, like on my hoodies usually like I didn't put it on this one, but it's like I'll put like these little like they're like little wing straps like here but it's just like something it's like a drapey thing just to kind of have on the side but yeah. it takes something that's familiar and just adds like a simple little detail that makes it a little different and a little more interesting and Absolutely. not like everybody else's you know yeah. so it's just like my way of doing it but the even the concept of that came from like the vitruvian man because you know like the arms and stuff like that so the wings are like those arms and things like that and that's just me trying to you know again kind of move fashion forward absolutely no i um i think for me what i think ultimately with um social media i think like i said it's a double-edged sword so i mean we're not going to stop using it because it's free marketing and so many of us as independent designers independent writers creatives artists we need your work out there yeah it's the best way to get your work out there and it's it's (laughs) like it's such a really great tool and resource for us in that same vein i think um 
that black artists should be able to freely advertise without the fear of their shit mm-hmm. being stolen. Absolutely. And bottom line, like at the end of the day, like we shouldn't have to confine ourselves and confine our creativity because, you know, these corporations have people literally hawking us, probably mm-hmm. people that we don't even know following us, just <laughs> waiting. Oh, that's cool. Let me send this to like, you know, my my boss, my higher yeah. ups. So they, they can copy it and, you know, produce it, mass produce it really quick. So I think that ultimately like, we should be able to live in a world where we're able to create without bounds and create yeah. without these confinements and these limitations and just really live out who we are and live out our creativity without the fear of it being stolen. I know, but they've been stealing from us for years. They have. Before and I mean, this. Yeah. Like, I mean, think about the Egyptians. I mean, come on now. Like, yeah. they've been stealing it for Thousands years. and thousands and thousands like and thousands of years. It's, it's just like, because our culture, we're just, we are very, I, our culture is very creative in a way of our circumstances and how we were brought into this world, basically. Absolutely. Out of, like, sheer having to figure it out, mm-hmm. you know, necessary survival. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, like, I'm being able to, cre- like, bloom Exactly. All of that, right? Into having to overcome and mm-hmm. having to, you know, it just we had, we had to think in a way where we could get up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... It, that same like thought process, it literally goes into everything that we do. <laughs> like it's in Black culture DNA. Like to for us, we don't even have it. Like our fibers, for the most part, will never let us give up and quit. We just we weren't built like that. We're not conditioned like that. It's just like it's we're we're just we. That's how. And like I said, that type of. Like, it's like that type of mentality is what allows a lot of African-Americans to be as creative as we are, honestly, in different facets and in different ways, you know. But at the same time, we, you know, because of the way we were brought into it and and where history placed us, it's like the only thing we didn't have is like the resources to really, you know, own in on like certain crafts or certain skills or certain abilities, you know, and we were like, you know, we had to like play in a way play catch up, you know, I mean, we're still playing catch up at the end of the day. But, you know, and that's why, you know, like I said, even me, like being African-American and being black, it's like, it, 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 it starts to, it, in certain moments, it starts to hit you, especially when I have to think about the way I was raised. It was just like, there are a lot of things I was able to find out on my own, but there were just like, and when you start to get into, like when I got into fashion or around certain people, it's just like, oh my gosh, there are so many things I just did not know. Like, <laughs> I mean, oh my, it's like there's so many things I didn't know, but it's like now I know about, I mean, even just like growing up just in general as a, kid and as an adult and like your mom trying to raise you and things like that it's just like when it came to like even like taxes and stuff like you know just like little stuff it's just like they don't even teach you a lot of these life things in school like we wish they would but you know it because a lot of that it plays to the reason why there's certain things like we don't even know what to want sometime because we just don't know what we don't know like (laughs) but the thing is luckily it's just like when i feel like when we know what to want and then we know what we need to know it's just or what we want to know and everything that's out there and these people that have been afforded these luxuries of opportunities that were created for them it's like when we actually have those tools and we can see those tools in front of us we really know how to use them, but you got to give us a chance to use them. <laughs> but again, it's just like I know no one wants to just be out here like no most people don't want to give out those that information, you know, because that's the thing that helps people progress is information. And when you have a lack of information, it's just like again, we fall we end up falling short because we just don't know. <laughs> but Absolutely. when we know, 
We execute. No, we do. <laughs> this has been such a productive conversation. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to part one of our cultural appreciation and capitalism series. We'll see you next time. Next time, we're specifically going to focus on music. So that should be a fun episode. But thank you, Charles, for coming in and recording this with me. And yeah, absolutely. And if you tuned into the first part of the podcast, um, can you say your Instagram handle one more time? Smith the second, S M I T H T H E, two N D, like second place. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Have a good night. And no money for ghosts. Hey, that's my black queen for you. Bought a buck and I love it.